consider it. So we're going to take a look at it today. I could give you myriads of scriptures about the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus and all those are good and, and we respect his body and his blood and, and, and I've done that with you over the years, you know. Uh, but not not going to give you all those scriptures today. We're going to take a different, a little bit different look at communion. First Corinthians 11th chapter and the 23rd verse. If you don't have a Bible with you, it'll be on the screen up there. Notice the Apostle Paul is writing and he says, and he's writing under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. We don't want that, do we? Verse 28, let a man, let a woman, let a person examine themselves. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Notice, examine yourself. Not your neighbor, not somebody else, but examine who? Yourself. All right? And then verse 29, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. Don't want that. Not, and for what reason? Now this is, I want you to really watch this now. Not what? Not discerning what? Not discerning what? The Lord's body. Now really center in on that. If you have a Bible there and you're, you know, highlight that or underline it or write, write this down or just remember it. Not discerning the Lord's body. Verse 29 again. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner. Eats and drinks judgment to himself. Not discerning the Lord's body. So the the Lord's body was not being properly discerned here. Then verse 30. For this reason. now Now watch this. Not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason. Many are weak and sick among you. And many sleep. That actually means die prematurely. Now for what reason are many weak and sick and die prematurely? Not discerning what? The Lord's body. They were not properly discerning the Lord's body. And then verse, so we'll come back to that. Verse 31, let's finish reading a few verses here. For if we would judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. That's good news. One of the best scriptures in the whole Bible there. If we judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. But when we are judged, if, see, if we don't judge ourselves, then the Lord judges us, and notice what he does. When we are judged, we're chastened by the Lord. That means we're corrected. He corrects us. He corrects us with his word, by his Holy Spirit. He might even use the minister to preach a message that would correct us. So, and for what reason? That we be not condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, notice this, when you come together, they come to church, like we have this morning. Now, you need to realize they did it different than we do here. At the end of the service, we'll pass out the crackers, you know, little crackers and the, and the grape juice. 
But they would actually come together in this, in this day, 2,000 years ago. They would come together and they would have a meal. And people would bring food from home and drink. And, and it, was, it was they had a meal together. But it was not just a meal where you would come together. And you know, you know how a church will have a potluck meal, you know? You understand what I'm saying? It was, it was a meal. But somewhere in that meal, the pastor or whoever the leader was, would, would do what Jesus would do. They, they'd stop what they were doing, and they, he would take the bread, and he would give thanks and break it, and they'd, they'd eat from that bread, okay? And then they would bring uh, uh, fruit of the vine, non-alcoholic wine. Did you hear what I just said? And, and I did a, did a whole teaching on this not long ago. It was, it was non-alcoholic wine, Okay, in the Bible, there's two kinds of wine: alcoholic and non-alcoholic. It was not alcoholic. Okay, and they would they would they would drink. Except in in Corinthians, now listen, Corinth was a church. They were a worldly church. You know what I mean by that? I mean the people that got that, that made up the church came out of a really rough lifestyle. You understand what I mean? There were there's a lot of sexual perversion, drunkenness, and whatnot. And some of the people. Guess what kind of wine they brought to church? Intoxicating wine, as you'll see here in a minute. Okay, that's not the point of the message here today, but I just need to throw that in because of what we're going to read here in just a moment. But they would get together and they'd eat the meal, and then they would at some point take the bread, take the juice, bless it, and honor the Lord's death. Okay, you understand that? Okay, so, but that's not what was happening here in this church. It was, it was a mess. It was, a, it, was a, it was very chaotic to come to one of their communion services. They, they called them agape festivals or agape fests or love, love feasts is what they were called back then. So notice here, uh, verse 33, Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, now what were they supposed to do? When They're supposed to what? Wait for one another. Okay, and we're going to see in a minute they didn't do that. They were being very rude to one another, and and food was being brought, and some people, the the rich people, would bring food. Some of the poor people didn't have; they couldn't afford to bring the food, so they'd have to eat from what the rich people would bring. But the rich people of the church were not going to share with the poor people, so some people didn't get to eat and also too the food that was there what would also happen is some people would take seconds before other people had firsts have you ever seen that happen and uh that was going on and and some people did not get to they they didn't they they didn't get to to eat they didn't get to partake of the uh, you, you understand what i'm saying and some people were getting like, it's like when we pass the crackers around here at the end of this service, it would be like if, if, if a lot of people got three crackers and some people didn't get any. You see what I'm saying? Okay, so they were not waiting for one another, being very rude to one another. Then verse 34, if anyone's hungry, let him eat at home. So, so it wasn't, what, what that means is it wasn't a time really to come and have a potluck dinner. It was a time to come and honor the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? It wasn't like going out to a restaurant. It shouldn't have been like going out to a restaurant to eat. You know what I mean? It was 
to be more holy than that. And then he said, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I'll set in order when I come. Okay? Okay, now, why did we say that judgment, why did the Bible say that judgment would come on these people? This is on a church now. A group of believers. They believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand that? They were, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. They had the gifts of the Spirit operating in their, in their, in their services. But why? why? Why judgment? Why weak? Why sick? Why dying prematurely? Because they were not discerning something. What were they not discerning? The Lord's body. Now, it's, it's clear. And, and as I said, so many things can be said concerning communion. But they were not discerning the Lord's body. Clearly, they did not realize how holy the bread and the juice were that represented the Lord's body. Now, you understand that the bread and the juice do not literally become the Lord's body. You understand that? They're representative. They're symbolic of the Lord's body and blood. You understand that? Okay? And you, you also understand that partaking the bread and drinking the juice doesn't help save you. You understand that? You, you, you need to be saved. It's like water baptism doesn't help save you. You need to be saved before you get water baptized. You understand that? You need to be saved before you receive the, the crackers and the, 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 the juice. How many of you know you don't have to be a member of this church here today to receive communion at the end? Do you understand that? You just must be born again. Real loud say born again. That means you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've repented of your sins and accepted him as your Savior and Lord. Do you understand that? Okay? Some churches you go to, they won't let you receive communion unless you're a member of that church. You understand that? But you see, to receive communion, you only need to be a, a, a member of... You see, there's a local church and there's church universal. The church universal is being born again. You see, you're, in, you're, you're a member of... You understand that? But you see... Uh, to be a member of this local church you attend here regularly but the point is you might just be visiting today and that's great glad you're here hope you come back if the Lord leads and directs you you see but you can partake of the communion at the end but what's the only requirement that you are a Christian you're truly born again realize say born again again. what does that mean that means you receive Jesus as your savior you're really trusting in him but you see these people were not discerning the Lord's body now what is the Lord's body That's what I want to get at here today. What is the Lord's body? Or let me say it this way. Who is the Lord's body? Now, all right. Now, there's some people who say the church. But you know there's a lot of people who don't know that. See, the Lord's body. Well, that's Jesus' body. Well, certainly. Certainly it is. But there's more to it than that. Yes, Jesus is the head. Realize, say head. head. He's the head. But somebody gave me the answer already. But I'm going to give you scripture. Is... The church, born-again believers like you and me, we constitute the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to understand that. You need to realize that. It has everything to do with what was happening to these people. They were what? Weak and what? Sick. And they were dying prematurely. They did not discern the Lord's body. Are you with me? They didn't really understand something. And I'll get to that. But I need to give you some scriptures first. If you attend this church, you're going to get scripture. Okay? That's a good thing. You're going to be asked to turn in your Bible. You know, that's a good thing. Or at least look at the screen. That's a good thing. 
Ephesians 1.19. Let's just read some verses here. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. This is talking about when the Father raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that's named, not only in this age but also that which is to come and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the what? Head. Who's the head of the body of Christ? Jesus over all things to the church which is his body. Who is the body of Christ? The church. You and me. We make up the body of Christ. Who is the head? Jesus. But who is the body? You and me. Now yes, Jesus has a body. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. But you understand what we're talking about here. Symbolically, he is the head of the church and we are his body. Now we could go on and on. Romans 12 Verses 4 and 5. Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. Notice, for as, many, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in who? In Christ. And individually as members of one another. Uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, does your hand care about your foot? Okay, then I'm going to give you a hammer and I'm going to put that hammer in your right hand and I'm going to let you beat the tar out of your foot. You gave your wrong answer, okay. You repent. Does your right hand care about your left foot? Uh, about your right foot? Yeah. You understand what I just said there? I mean... You don't want, I mean, if you're in your right mind, you're not going to take a hammer and beat, beat up your left foot, are you? Right? Uh, how many of you uh, are real glad your pancreas is working this morning? Now, we don't ever see where the pancreas is. I'm not even real sure where it is, but I'm sure glad mine's working good. Because if it isn't, you're going to not live very long. Right? So, so you see... Just like I care, about my, I care about my eyes, I care about my ears. Just, you know what? Just let one little part of your body, something go wrong with it, and that little part will have all the attention of all the other members. Did you know that? Did you ever notice that? Did you ever notice that? Even if you stub your little toe, <laughs> it'll have all the attention of the rest of your body. Is that right? See? Absolutely. And, and I, I hope you can see what, what I'm getting at is we need to be caring for one another. Just like my right hand cares for my left foot, a brother over here ought to care about a brother over here. A sister over here ought to care about a sister over here. You know? A Christian over here ought to care about a fellow Christian. Is that right? Is that correct? Absolutely. And, and, and you see... Let me just say this, I'll say it again later, but here's the thing I'm trying to get at. I don't think there's anybody in here in their right mind would talk bad about Jesus. Huh? I don't think there's anybody in here that would do anything harmful to Jesus if Jesus himself was standing right there. Now, how many of you know 
he's here today in, in, in spirit form. Is that right? He's here. His presence is here. But if he, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, but if he actually was standing right there, I don't know any of us that's in this room that I'm aware of that would come up and be rude to him or talk bad about him behind his back. Is that right? But yet, Christians are rude to other Christians and talk bad about other Christians behind their backs all the time. Happens all the time in, 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 in every church in this land. Did you get what I just said? Now why would, we talk, why would we not talk bad or do harm to Jesus, but we would talk bad and do harm to fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord because we don't understand that we make up the body of Christ. We don't properly discern the Lord's body do you understand what I'm saying? Did you get what I just said there? See, if you don't realize that Diane, my wife, is, is a, it, 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 to, to, to touch her and do harm to her is equal to doing harm to Jesus. Paulette, if you do harm to her, it's just as equal as doing harm to Jesus. Did you get what I just said? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like Jeff Treeb there, to, to touch him and do harm to him and I'm just using these, I could, any Christian in the room I could call out, but to do harm to him, it's just like you're doing it to Jesus. And you see, if you don't understand that, you're not properly discerning what? The Lord's body. And so these people in Corinth were being rude to one another, treating each other terribly. And for this reason, they were weak and sickly and many were dying prematurely. Did you get what I just said there? Do you see the point of this message here? Now, you know, when I said a moment ago that to do harm to this Christian here, my wife, is just like doing harm to Jesus, you know, you can tell, well, some people might think, is that, is that really right? Let me prove it to you. Go to Acts 22. Let's read here. The Apostle Paul is giving a, a review of when he was appeared to by the Lord when he was a, a, a sinner, a, a heathen, and he was persecuting the church. And notice here, Acts 22, verse 1, he's giving this now, and he says, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they, they kept all the more silent. Then he said, he said this, I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Sicilia. They brought up in... And brought, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, was zealous toward God as you all are today. Then notice verse 4. I persecuted this way, this is talking about Christians, unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. These are Christians now. He was doing this too. As also the high priest bears me witness and all the council of elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in chains, even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. So what was he doing? This was Paul before he got saved. He was Saul of Tarsus and he persecuted Christians. He would come and have my wife taken in chains and beat to smithereens and thrown in jail and then maybe to the lions. Aren't you glad he got saved? 
And then in verse 6, Now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus. About noon suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Did Jesus take it personal? When Saul was persecuting Christians. Absolutely. Absolutely. He took it personal. When you talk bad about a fellow believer, guess what? Jesus takes it personal. Did you hear what I just said? To talk bad about a fellow believer is equivalent to talking bad about Jesus. To treat a fellow believer with disrespect or contempt is just as bad as doing it to Jesus. He takes it personal. Did you get that statement right there? Are you sure you got it? Why is this so important? Because I don't want any of us to be weak or sickly or to die prematurely. This is a pretty serious message, isn't it? We must properly discern the Lord's body. He said in verse 7, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, said, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Yeah, yeah, but pastor, Saul wasn't really beating Jesus. Jesus was seated up at the right hand of the Father. But what was Saul doing? He was picking on Jesus' body. You come up here and you start beating on me and maybe you don't touch my head but you start beating on my arms and my legs and my stomach area. My head is going to give directions to resist that. Is that right? My head's going to take it personally, right? Wouldn't yours? Wouldn't yours? Why is it okay to come up and take somebody and, 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 and hit them in the, in the stomach As long as you don't hit their head. One's just as bad as the other, right? If I, Paulette, if I came up here and just, whap, kicked you in the shin as hard as I could, do you think your head would notice that and take, 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 would, would your, or would your head just look the other way? And no, I, you'd know it. You wouldn't like it, would you? See, why do we, why do we, we wouldn't talk bad about Jesus, we wouldn't treat him bad, but why do we treat his body like dirt a lot of times? For this reason, many are weak and sickly and many die prematurely. Jesus said, if you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Is that right? Guys, we need to remember this. And... Uh, Look at, look, at, look at 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, for the sake of time here, for the sake of time. Well, we've got time. Let's just read these verses here. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. I'll read quick. You can read along. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many or one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we're all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, Slaves are free and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? 
And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? And now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. We've kind of been talking about this, haven't we? Verse 21, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. Like I was talking about the pancreas a while ago, you don't see the pancreas. It doesn't really ever get any honor. Right? You see my head, you see my eyes, you see my mouth, you hear my words. You don't see my pancreas. Right? You don't see my liver. You don't see my lungs. Think about it. Lungs. All they do is breathe in and breathe out. If you live to be 120, all your lungs are ever going to do are breathe in and Breathe out. Nobody's ever going to see them. They're not going to get any real attention. But how many of you are real glad they're breathing in and breathing out? Huh? Right? Because if they, if they isn't, you isn't going to be around long. Is that right? So anyway, verse 24. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor the part which lacks it. And here's the thing I want to get at here. Verse 25, that there should be no schism or schism. Or that means division. Realize, say division. division. That there should be no what? No division in the body. But that the members should have, now watch this, but that the members should have the same care for one another. You know that that does not happen most of the time in most churches throughout the United States. Now it does some, it does to a great degree, but there's a lot of it that doesn't. And it's sad, isn't it? It's absolutely tragic. You know why? Because for this reason, many are what? Weak and sickly and many die young. We should have the same care for one another. If you're hurting, I'm hurting. And you know, if I'm hurting, you should be hurting. Huh? Notice verse 26. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. That's how it ought to be. And, and that is how it is to a great degree in a lot of places, but around here to a great degree it is that way. But I've been doing this a long time, talking about a lot of churches over 30 some odd years, 35 years of watching many churches, many Christians, multitudes of Christians. And, and, and you have some in there that, you know, you can, when somebody's suffering, they're suffering with them, you, you do have this. But dear friends, this is a terrible problem in the body of Christ because... A lot of times, when a fellow church member is suffering, there's people that aren't suffering, but rather 
secretly rejoicing in their heart. Did you hear what I just said? Absolutely. And it's sad because for this reason, I'm going over this, repetition is the seed of learning. For this reason, many are weak and sickly and many die prematurely. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ. Here it is again. And members individually. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 11. Let me just preach on here just a few more minutes. 1 Corinthians 11, back to where we started with Corinthians, dealing with this church in Corinth. They were having these communion services. And let's see here, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17. Now watch this. Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. And I told you why earlier. Verse 18, for first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are, there are what? There are what? Divisions. Divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. Verse 20, therefore, when you come together in one place, is it not to eat the Lord's Supper? For in eating, verse 21 Each one takes his own supper ahead of others. That's not very nice, is it? Is it? They weren't treating each other in love, were they? And one is hungry. Some people not getting to eat, not getting to partake of, not getting to partake of, of food. Because the other people weren't sharing or they were, they were eating up the food. And there was none left for folk. Some people were going through the line three and four times before some people got through once. You understand. Each one takes his own supper ahead of others. One is hungry and another is drunk. And I explained that to you. They shouldn't have been. But some people, some worldly people in here, Christians in here that were bringing juice that, were, that was intoxicating. They shouldn't have been. They did. And some people were getting drunk that's certainly not good do you think you got the point of this message you see I could take hours right now and stand here and I could give you multitudes of verses telling us how we ought to treat one another The Bible tells us we're supposed to walk in love towards one another. We're supposed to be forgiving of one another. We're supposed to be tender-hearted to one another. If, if someone's taken in a fault, we who are spiritual, we're supposed to not kick that person out, but we're supposed to restore them. Is that right? We just read a, a, one of the best verses on it. If one member suffers, all the members suffers with it. Right? If one member's honored, all the members rejoice with it. That's how it's supposed to be. Can you say amen? amen? Now, we would all treat Jesus well if he were standing here. We've already said that. But what about a fellow believer? We've talked about that, haven't we? I know I've experienced this, this end of it. I've already 
uh, over the many years, I, I, I would watch people uh, treat me well because I'm the pastor. But then uh, turn right around and treat someone else in the church like dirt. I remember one time I was walking down the hall, coming up, coming up this way over in the children's area, and, and I, was, I was minding my own business. I wasn't eavesdropping. I was just walking along, and I heard somebody. They were standing out around the water fountain there, out in the hall, and they were just being quite rude to another church member. Now, this is, these people don't go here anymore, so they're long gone. We wish them well, but I'm just giving you an example. And they weren't being very nice. And, 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 and you know, you're hearing this as, you, you know, I'm not eavesdropping, but you're hearing it as you're coming up the hall. And, and then I turned the corner and guess what? This person that was being real rude, all of a sudden, they, when they saw me, they started being real nice. And so, after the person they were being rude to had walked off, I pull that person aside and I ask him, <laughs> why are you being nice to me and rude to that person? I just lovingly ask. Well, you don't know what they did to me. So, well, we need to love one another, don't we? And so that person didn't like it very much and left. But at least I lovingly, not to embarrass them, but privately, you know, you know, I think we need to do that a lot of times. We, when, when, when we hear people talking bad about somebody, don't jump on the train and get in there with them. And psh, 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 psh. Come on now. And you know what's one of the worst things you can do when people start talking bad about others is you may not say anything, but you listen to it. Come on now. And you listening to it is just as bad as doing it yourself. You know what I'm talking about? If you, now, now, somebody starts up talking bad about a fellow believer. Now, for a few minutes there, I mean, you, until you get, get your bearings of what's going on. But you know what I'm talking about. You're going to be a party to it listening to let them spew all that hatred out. Come on. Oh, pastor, what difference does it make? For this reason, many are weak and sickly among you, and many die young. James, in the book of James, he said the rich people were coming, being treated well. The poor were being treated not well. How many of you know we ought to treat everybody equal? No matter how much money they have or don't have. Is that right? You know, I, I felt impressed to, to say this. I, most would treat their pastor well. Most would treat their pastor well. You know something I've noticed over the last three decades? Over the last three decades. How long is that? That's 30 years, right? So, so this church has been going 25 years. So, so I'm talking about out beyond this church, many churches... Many churches, many Christians, I, I, I've, I've watched this. 
And I still haven't figured out totally why it happens. But listen carefully. Now, am I talking just about this church here? No, I'm talking about many churches. Am I just talking about you people? No, I'm talking about, about, we've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that have come through here and that, you know, folks just don't always stay and that's true of any church. But I've noticed something happen and, and, and it has everything to do with this here, what we're talking about today. Most would treat their pastor well, at least to their face. Did you get what I just said? At least to their face. But over the last three plus decades, I've watched this, and I still haven't totally figured it out, why it happens. But I've watched people, they'll be nice to their pastor, to their face. But oftentimes there'll be like a rumbling going on within the congregation or a turbulence and it's directed at the pastor and there's a lot of talking about the pastor behind his back and yet people are so nice to the pastor's face but they're not behind his back and what builds and I don't understand this but I think I'm getting better revelation on it it it, it can be an us versus him mentality did you get what I just said? An us versus him mentality. Did you know Moses struggled with this? Did he not? He struggled with this. He had a terrible problem with this. He had he had those leaders that he appointed. They were they were chewing on him behind his back regularly, weren't they? Huh? Grumbling, complaining, going on. Is that right? And it's an us versus. Now listen carefully. It's an us versus him mentality, and it shouldn't be. Real loud, say it shouldn't be. It be. If you don't realize this, I, I'm here for your good. I love you. I'm here for your good. And most pastors are. You'll find some pastors in the land that aren't, but most of them are. And yet, this happens. And people will treat their pastor, they wouldn't treat Jesus bad, but they'd do their pastor bad. And they'd be so nice to him, to his face, but behind the back. Guys, we're on the same team. I said, I'm for you. You know why I think this happens, at least one of the reasons, I, I don't, for some reason I need to cover this. Um, you know what happened with Jesus, I, I can bring this up uh, several instances, but just one instance, uh, I, I was going to turn to it, it's in John eleven sixteen. if you want to look at it, but, but Jesus was going to go to a, a certain place, and you've heard of Doubting Thomas, haven't you? Yeah. And Thomas, who's called the twin, that's what his name was in the Greek, notice what he did, I, I'm glad we looked this up because you need to see this, notice what Thomas did. Notice, call the twins, said to Jesus to his face. Is that what it says? Now Thomas, who's called the twins, said to Jesus to his face. Said to who? Now Jesus was going to go to an area 
that they, had, they were going to stone Jesus if he went there. This was raising Lazarus. And Thomas, who's called the twin, said to Jesus to his face. Is that what that says? No. Who did he say to? To his... Which implies he said something about Jesus behind his back, didn't he? And then he said, let us also go that we may die with him. Why are you teaching this, pastor? I don't want any of you to be weak and sickly, die young. And, and, and whether I'm your pastor or whoever your pastor is, this goes out on the internet. There's a lot of people listening to this. So who's ever listening? That happens all the time. Said to his fellow disciples, I'm just pondering, I'm selahing on this. That's a a Hebrew word to stop and think. Ponder. That happens all the time. Said to his fellow disciples, well, let us go that we may die with him. And you know, I don't notice that it's recorded that any of the other disciples spoke up and said, Thomas, you shouldn't talk like that. They listened in, didn't they? Didn't they? Huh? They listened in, didn't they? Didn't they listen in? Now, I think the reason this happens, and I'm just trying to help you. I do a lot of preventative preaching around here, you know. I don't know that we're having any trouble with this at this particular time, but I like to do preventative, and this is good to hear. But do you know that as a pastor, whoever your pastor is, if he's doing his job, he's supposed to be edifying you and uplifting you, and we do that. We do our best. But there's something else that the preacher has to do, and we'll just, let's just go to 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. Amplified Bible, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. It'll be on the screen. He says to Timothy, he says, Herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by, be at hand and ready, whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, whether it's welcome or unwelcome. You as a preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are. Or what? Is that up there? Stand. Verse 2. You, and then, is that, I guess we're having trouble with the screen there. What's the next verse? Is that all the verse has there? Is there a part 2? As a preacher of the word, you are to show people, here's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to edify you, build you up. I'm supposed to do all that. But as a preacher, I'm supposed to, a pastor is supposed to also show people in what way their lives are. Convince them, rebuke them, correct them, warn them, urge them, encourage them. Now you look at that list up there. Look at that. Show them in what ways their lives are wrong. You see that? Convince, rebuke, correct, warn. That's a lot of what would seem to be to us negative stuff, wouldn't it? 
And then, of course, urging. People don't like that either. Encouraging them. Look, one encouraging, the rest of them seem to be negative, but that, if you're doing your job as a preacher, that's what you're supposed to be doing. And show people in what way their lives are wrong. Did you know that, that, that people, our flesh, don't like that? And we live in an hour where, dear friends, it's just the truth, that you got a lot of preachers in this land, they're just, do, they're, they're just doing the encouraging. Thank God for it. One, one pastor said, I just, I just preach encouraging message. That's all I ever do. Then he's not a man of God because what does the Bible say? That we're supposed to, as preachers, do those other things too. Is that right? Yes or no? And when you as a preacher do those other things, folks don't like it a lot of times. And so, rather than come tell the pastor to the face, guess what they do? They'll behind the back. Did you hear me? Very sad, isn't it? So let me just tell you, if, if, if uh, over the years, I've had, uh, uh, one time I, I was saying something, and, 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 and a couple of people didn't like what I was saying. It wasn't doctrinal had nothing to do with the Bible, just my personality. I was making a joke and just kidding and, and they didn't like it. And they came to me, I'll give them credit, they came to me to my face and they privately and they said, Pastor Terry, when you say that, it, 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 it uh, troubles us. And it wasn't doctrinal, it was just something. And, and I saw their point and guess what? I stopped saying it. But you know what? I respected them because they came to my face. And I could see I didn't need to say that. So I wasn't cussing, by the way, but I didn't need to say that. There was another time I had a couple years ago. They came to me and they said, we disagree with what you're teaching from the Bible. There was something I was teaching and they said, we disagree with it. You're wrong. And I said, well, okay, well, and I, I respected them. They came right to my face. And I said, well, what is it that you disagree with? And they told me. And I said, okay, now show me scripture. And they just sat there and they, I said, show me scripture. Very, very non-confrontational. And so then I gave them about 18 or 20 verses to prove what I was teaching was right. And I said, now show me what do you have? And they couldn't show me one verse. So I didn't change. How many of you would want me to stick with the Bible? And they got mad and they left. But now if they could have showed me what I was doing wrong, then I'd, I'd change. But I do respect they came to my face. But you know, there's a lot of folks won't come to your face. They just won't do it. Or if you do talk with them, they'll tell you one thing to your face and then they'll go out and say to the disciples and they'll crab and complain. Now why am I teaching on this? Because I don't want any of you, and this doesn't only apply to me, this applies to your fellow brothers and sisters. I don't want any of you to be what? Weak? Or sickly or? This is a major problem in churches throughout this land. 
there was a, a how many has ever watched Batman? And he had different criminals that he would face, like like the Joker. And I remember back in the '60s. How many remember the '60s? A comic, Bat, Bat, Adam West and Robin. Da 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 da. Batman. How many like that? And I liked the Joker and the Penguin and Mr. Freeze and Catwoman and the Riddler. And but there was one that the criminal that he fought. And when the guy turned this way, he had one face. And when the guy turned this way, he had... And they called him Two-Face. Come on now. And there's a lot of that in churches throughout the land. And it's sad. And it should not be... And we don't discern the Lord's body properly. And so for this reason, let's see if you got it yet. For this reason, many are weak and sick and die young. So what do you say? Let's treat everybody nice. I, I, I'll say this. You know how I, that verse was up there? You know what a preacher is supposed to do? It's still up there. Convinced, correct. Did you know that when I'm not in this pulpit, now listen carefully, when I'm not standing in this pulpit, if you catch me at the door or out in the hall or you catch me when I'm not in this pulpit, I don't think I've, I probably have, but, but I have offended very, very few people if you catch me outside of this pulpit. If you catch me outside of this pulpit, I, I just, my wife will tell you, I mean, I mean, I, I'm pretty easy to get along with. I've offended very few people. I have, I'm sure, but, but you know, something happens when I stand in this pulpit. Guess what kicks in? The anointing, and when you're under the anointing, what is a pastor or preacher under the anointing going to do let's let's read backwards let's start at the bottom here it talks about inexhaustible in patience teaching unflagging what's that next one encouraging so you get all that but then if you're really doing your job guess what there's going to be urging warning correcting rebuking convincing, telling people in what way their lives are wrong. Oh, boy. (laughs) And so I'm not everybody's favorite. You know why? Because when I stand behind here to do my job for God, I got to do all of that. I can't just do... Well, I can't just pick out, I can't, I'd like, I'd like, I'd like, you know, I'd like to be a pastor, I really would, I'd like to be a pastor where you open a box of candy and all of them are encouraging. If I had my way, that's what I'd do. But if you're going to work for God, you got to do all those other things, as well as encourage. Did you get anything out of this today? So let's properly discern the Lord's body, what do you say? And treat everybody with love and respect and, and, and so forth and so on. Okay? Now, I, I, now, 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 now they can start going. Now, just, just a minute. Now, I've got a story for you to close. So go ahead and get the communion ready. But I want to see if you really got this. So you ready for a little story? Let's just take a couple of minutes. This will kind of sum it all up. 
Let's see if you really got what I said today. Because a lot of times people will sit and listen, and, and then, but they really don't get the point. And so there were these two men, and they both owned a store in town. And the stores, they were department stores, and they were right across from one another. And they were Christians, and they attended the same church. Now, are you listening to me? Are you with me? And they, they attended the same church, and they were rivals, okay? And they were not walking in love toward one another. Now, are you, are you listening carefully now? And so whenever one did something, the other guy across the street would run a better deal to thwart his opponent across the street. Now, they went to the same church, okay? And, and, and there's nothing wrong with healthy competition, but they were, they were really against one another. Are you with me? They were true, really Christians. They loved the Lord, but they loved the Lord, but they weren't walking in love towards one another. That kind of the point of this message. Are you with me? Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. And so they would they would kind of try to one up the other, and they you understand what I'm saying? And they'd do some despicable things at times to you know some dirty tricks on the other one. To you, are you with me? You know what I mean? A dirty trick, you know, just maybe a guy put a sale sign up and the opponent came over and take it down. You know, that kind of stuff, you know, or whatever the case. So the pastor was preaching on love and talking about discerning the Lord's body and preaching on love and preaching on love and discerning the Lord's body, just like I did today. And they would sit in the service and shake their head, yes, yes, yes. And, but it went on. The, the, the rivalry went on. It wasn't just healthy competition. It was beyond that. And so finally, the Lord sent an angel down and said, go appear to this one over here, to this fellow over here, and tell him that all this nonsense must stop. Now, this is a story. It's not a true story, but it's a story, and I want you to get the point. Are you okay? So the Lord sends an angel down and says, tell them I want this stopped. And go appear to this one over here and tell him to stop all of, the, all of the, the, the hatred and start discerning the Lord's body properly and tell him to stop it. And, and, and if, he'll stop, if, he'll stop, if he'll stop it over here, this guy will be affected and he'll stop it and they'll both walk in love towards one another and tell the guy over here that if he'll stop this hatred, that, that I'll grant him one request. And, but whatever I give him, I'm going to give the guy over here double. Did you get it? So whatever he asked for, he's going to get it. And to show and to prove that he is walking in love, his opponent over here is not really his opponent, but his brother over here is going to get double. And so the angel comes down, appears, and goes through that with the guy. And he says, okay. Okay, okay, and whatever I get, he gets double. If I walk in love, okay, okay, okay. Whatever I get, he gets double. The angel says, yep. He said, here's my request. I want to be blind in one eye. (laughs) Hopefully, you won't make that request. Father, we go ahead and pass it out, guys. Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. Now, they'll be passing the communion out, so it'll be coming by, so be sure to 
Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. I'm going to need some too here. We bless you. We praise you. We thank you for this message today. Father, my prayer is, is that this message has fallen on hearing ears. And those that have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit, the Holy Spirit through the written word has said to the church.